I'm here. Where are you? So, it's uh, Saturday night, and uh, most people are out doing one thing or another. Uh, My Saturday nights are usually pretty subdued to interesting, soothing, serene. That's what we do. More of a serene family these days. But I'm always open for adventure, and tonight I want to talk a little bit about adventure. If you have any time to spend with me. I have a couple of things I'd like to do on this Saturday night special for the month of May 2023. And one of those things, after we get past a couple of just grab bag items to loosen up, one of those things came from an audience member, a, an article about a ghost town in Maine that I, I'd like to read through because ghost towns always, they, they, very, they fascinate me. And over the course of this summer, we're going to be having some people call in, some guests coming on that we've, we've already started making contact with and putting on the schedule that are going to highlight parts of America that have, uh, that have really rich histories but are probably, that are, are way past their, their prime and in many ways abandoned ghost towns like this. A lot of Appalachia. Uh, we're going to have a lot of guests that have to do with uh, Appalachia, about being outdoors, traveling, seeing things around the country, and um, yeah, that's what we're, we're going to be digging into those into those subjects. And I can't wait. I really can't wait. Maybe tonight is actually the official or the unofficial beginning of all of that stuff because this story out of Maine, I think, is uh, is going to touch a lot of hearts, or at least get you thinking. Because maybe you live next to a place like this, and and perhaps you can go and look into what that place used to be. What that little quaint, abandoned town was a hundred years ago, and the lives that that played out there, and the and the uh, you know the, the the very human these human stories. That's what this is all about. It really is like digging into those, and we'll do that together. So we got that, and then there's another thing that I want to talk about tonight, which is your greatest. Your greatest adventures that you ever went on. I have a couple. I started up a last-minute thread. I have a couple of uh, entries there right now, and I'll we'll go into those. But I also want to get people calling in, and I think that this will be one of those things where it's um, hey, you know, uh, you hear it, you start thinking, you want to call in, or you can send me a super chat too if you can't get through. I wanna I wanna hear from you guys and gals, and I'll I'll lay it all out once we get there. But for now. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this 90 minutes or so that we have together on a Saturday night in May. And I have some odd news up to you, uh, up for you right now from Oddity Central. It's been a long time since I checked in on this website. And we're going go to uh, we're gonna go to that. Ready to do that? You ready? You ready? Oh, wait, Matt's not here. Nobody's here. It's just me all by my lonesome. Boom. Headline. Russian Cafe breaks the internet. With breast milk lattes. Obviously, it didn't break the internet because unfortunately it is still here, and it's the first time I'm hearing about it. Probably you too. But, you know, they gotta, gotta put together a headline. A breast milk latte. Would you ever drink it? Whether you knew the person or not? A cafe, and then again, you say, well, why do you drink milk? Did you know the cow? Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of true, right? Uh, is this cannibalism? No. It wouldn't be cannibalism. That means that the babies are cannibals. That's not true. 
You're not eating the mother. The mother produces it for consumption. I guess it's just weird. You know, the mother is producing it for one, this one child. Then again, there's wet nurses. And they're producing it for whoever needs. So, you know, there's a lot of gray in this area. I wonder... I wonder where we can go with this one tonight. Watch this. This is going to be... <laughs> this will be the... <laughs> The, the the subject that dominates the entire episode now. That's the way it happens. Or at least it's happened many times in the past. A cafe in Russian city of Perm has been getting a lot of attention after announcing plans to introduce a controversial breast milk infused latte on its menu. Perm-based cafe chain Coffee Smile has been the talk of the Russian internet over the... Oh, Russian internet... Over the past week, after announcing intentions to use real human breast milk as an ingredient for coffee products after lattes and cappuccinos. The craziness started earlier this month when Coffee Smile locations started plastering posters advertising the controversial new ingredient. People shared, uh, started sharing photos of the, started sharing photos of the photos on social media. And before long, local businessman and Coffee Smile owner Maxim Kobelev released a promotional video claiming that his cafes will be using genuine breast milk. This is 100% Cambodian. You remember that Chappelle, uh, the Chappelle skit? <laughs> genuine Cambodian breast milk. Uh, stored in special pharmacy-grade bags. Man. I recently went on maternity leave and saw that a lot of breast milk is required. I have a lot of it. A young mother and supplier of breast milk for the cafe says in the video, the child eats just a little bit, so I thought, why not earn some extra money? I'm a hairstylist, but you can't cut much hair with a child. I even made coffee with breast milk for my husband. He liked it. Kobolev even assures would-be customers that the mothers supplying the breast milk are all tested to ensure the safe consumption of the product. Added, uh, tested for what? Added, adding that only about 40 to 45 doses of breast milk-infused drinks will be served in the beginning with plans to ramp up production to about 1,000 products by the end of the year. You know what they need? You know when you go into a coffee house and you go and you grab your coffee, then you go over to the mixing station, you can have some... Call, you, you, you have the brown sugar, there's the regular granulated sugar, and then you have the honey and the agave and all this other stuff, with whatever the hell's going on. Uh, and then they have the milk, that terrible skim stuff, whatever the hell that is. It's not milk, it's just, just something else. And they have the cream. They should have a, a topless woman there, and you get to actually milk her into... I, I think you should do it. She's been tested... And she should be there bare-breasted. And let everybody just uh, have a a squeeze, have a couple of squirts into your cup, and you have now infused your your coffee. That's the world I want to live in. No, no, I can't. No, that's gross. You're drinking of a stranger's body. It's not, it just doesn't, there's nothing about it that feels right. All right? Nothing about it that feels right. But um, the Russians are, they're sitting, they're sitting high up on their horse. They've got so much breast milk going around. They're putting it in their, their, their coffee, their, their coffee smile chains. Over here, we've got, 
we've got formula shortages, and in Russia, they're doing so good that they're putting extra breast milk into just like their version of Starbucks. Man, high times in Russia, huh? Oddity Central, let's do another one. Taiwanese restaurant serves ramen dish topped with a scary deep sea creature. Of course they do. Whenever you talk about Asia, this is the first thing I think about. A horrid looking creature on top of a bowl of noodles. A Taipei-based restaurant has been getting a lot of attention of its newest addition to the menu, a ramen dish topped with a steamed 14-legged isopod that looks something like out of an alien movie. The Ramen Boy restaurant recently took to Facebook to announce its latest dish, a bowl of ramen featuring a generous helping of giant isopod, uh, which is described as a dream ingredient. Yeah, a nightmare ingredient. Oh my gosh. It's like a gigantic roly-poly, unrolled. Called a giant isopod with creamy chicken broth ramen. The dish consists of a large bowl of ramen and a large isopod steamed in its own shell. To prepare the deep-sea crustacean, the cooks removed the stomach viscera and uh, keeping the creamy glands for consumption and steam it. The white meat is said to taste like lobster and crab while the yellow glands are unexpectedly sweet. Have some yellow glands. You know, again, this revolts me, but at the same time, last Saturday, Lauren, I took Lauren and Aurora to a new restaurant we've never been to around here. It's an Italian steakhouse, and it was fantastic. And it was the first time we've been to a restaurant in a while that had a manageable surf and turf menu. You know, I manage surf and turf on my own. I'll go grab some crab cakes. I'll put it in with my my um, my steak at home, whatever. But there's most of the restaurants around here, if you want surf and turf, you're going to get a steak, and they're going to give you a whole lobster. And I don't, I, I, I don't like eating whole lobsters. Some people have eaten enough lobsters where it, they, can, they can dismantle this thing, clean all the meat out in no time flat. I am break, I'm, I'm tearing things apart. I'm breaking, crushing. It's splashing all over the place. So I would like a lobster tail. Give me a nice lobster tail. Same thing, though. I'm just used to lobster. It's a roach. It's a sea roach. I'm not used to this thing. But some somebody is and it's it, and it's nothing. It's not a thing at all. So I'm revolted by this, but at the same time I understand that when I had surf and turf last week, I was eating a roach along with my my uh my ribeye. So oh god, look at this thing. Thing's got a fat ass. What's going on here? Things twerking in that bowl. That's horrible. Horrible. We're moving on. We're moving on. Here's a sad story. Mihailo Toloto, an 82-year-old monk. Meet the 82-year-old monk who died without ever seeing a real woman. What does that mean? A real woman. Mihailo Toloto was a Greek monk who spent his entire 82-year life on Mount Athos without ever laying eyes on an actual woman. So, probably some Bud Light spokespeople have been over there looking at the, uh, the monastery or something. Born in the year 1856, Mihailo Toloto faced adversity from the moment he came into the world. His mother died from four hours after, just four hours after his birth. 
And with no father to claim him as their own, he was abandoned on the steps of a monastery located on Mount Athos, the center of Orthodox monasticism. The, monk there, the monks there took him in, and the monastery became his permanent home. Raised and educated within a walled monastery, Mihailo became a monk and reportedly never ventured off the mountain until his death in 1938. So he died, and then he left the mountain? And since women are not permitted to set foot on Mount Athos, Toloto died without ever seeing a woman. Obviously... Toloto isn't the only person to have never seen a woman in their entire lives. People born blind never see anything. Oh, come on. I'm talking about that. He's never in the presence of a woman. But his story is particular is a particular one in that he never came into contact with a woman, having spent his entire life... See, that's the thing I would like to know about this story, is that, yes, okay, these monks were very nice to taking him in, but at what, did, at what point did, did they ever wonder about giving him a normal childhood? Were they all brought in? Is this like the Spartans? You're inspected at seven months old, and then you're thrown away, or you're, you're put into training, left in the woods? I, 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 don't, I would like to know a little bit more about that. Upon his death, a few monks organized a special funeral for him, believing him to be the only man in the world to have died without ever seeing, touching, or otherwise interacting with a woman. That's the monk's fault. That is the monk's fault right there. Because, you know, obviously they did not give him a chance. There's a good amount of years up until you are making decisions for yourself that you... So, special funeral. That's their fault, man. I don't know. I feel bad for the guy. But then again, he probably had a, a peaceful life. A peaceful life up there on that mountain, thinking about things, getting lost in thought, not talking to anybody, never having that first kiss. That sounds horrible. I'm sorry. You've got to choose that. You've got to choose that. He didn't, have, he didn't choose this. He probably accepted it after a while. He didn't choose it. Oh, here's something, ladies and gentlemen, oh, for the guys out there. <laughs> this is from the Telegraph. They have, a, they have an, a uh, suggestion for us. Sitting down to urinate can be healthier for us guys, especially as we age. Research shows that sitting down could make it easier for the bladder to empty faster and more completely. So squat. Sit down on that toilet. Squat. Who was this written by? David Cox? Bullshit. That's a pen name for some woman who hates, who hates to splatter around the the edge of the toilet. In Germany, they call them sitzpinklers, a term designed to poke fun at their masculinity, but uh, some doctors believe that men should not be quite so quick to deride the possible benefits of sitting down to pee. Go f- get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. You know who will you know do this? The men who drink skim milk. The skim milk men <laughs> will say, hmm, well, I always wanted to get that last... That last bit of pee out of me. Don't worry, you always get the last bit of pee out of you. It goes right into your pants. You ever hear that? No matter how much you wiggle and dance, the last few drops ends up in your pants. Don't worry, it'll come out. Just relax. <laughs> Just relax. It'll all come out fine. Now, as far as a squatty potty goes, that's a different story. Shit just falls right out of you. It's true. That's true. But, um... 
That is true. Oh, here's a little something I had to show to you. Now that the Little Mermaid, the new live-action, photorealistic Little Mermaid is out and it's not doing good, um, most of the most of the reviews that I've seen has said stunk. It's stunk. That's what we say in my family. Stunk. Well, um, and, and you know the AP and people who are trying to put a happy face on this are saying, you know, the photorealism is just not taking... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the photorealism that really got people here. Anyway, uh, listen to this. A 28-second clip was tweeted out by Drew Hernandez a little while ago, and oh, it's a bedroom scene uh, where Ariel is just laying around, and the I guess the seagull and Sebastian, they're like... I don't know. They obviously they made new music. And just just listen to this. If you can't see it, then listen to this. I'm probably going to get banned for this. That's the uh, seagull, by the way. And and the, he's and the, the seagull is rapping with Sebastian because of course Ariel's Given up her voice. If they kept that in the story, I don't know. So she's not in this, but listen. Yeah, the prince has been dropping hints. He wants to, you know, when humans dress all nice like they're penguins, throw rice for the pigeons, they're trying to blow up the pigeons, but those are just urban legends. I know a lot of really bad pigeons. Go to Will up. you just listen, Sebastian? I got that scattlebutt. Hurry up. He'll be like, what? When I drop that scattlebutt. Oh. Oh. I almost lost it. <laughs> I almost lost it. It's hilarious to me how bad it is. I may have to watch it. Not not in the theater. I'll I'll find a bootleg somewhere. I may have to watch this. I ha- I I think I have to. I need to know. It's this is this is literally just just looking underneath the shoe after you stepped on a big nasty bug. I need to know. But, I mean, this one little 28-second clip is perfectly reflective of the nonstop squawking we all have to, we've been made to tolerate day in, day out, incoherent seagull talk all day from the, the leftists in the media, from, from the, the, their activist, uh, their activist, you know, street-walking class, and, oh, man, oh, the squawking, it's, it's, it's like, oh, oh. It's so pathetic, incoherent, and it's uh, it's funny. It, it's funny because you you know what you're, they're trying to do, right? They're trying to find a little bit of that magic sauce that made Hamilton so popular with people, and they're they're trying to to inject a little bit of Hamilton into the Little Mermaid. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe next time they should they should make a uh, musical about all the the junkies in San Francisco shitting on the street. I would I would go and watch that. A musical about just it, it's just it's just fifty homeless people in the cast, and they're all singing songs about shitting all over the streets of San Francisco and Philadelphia, taking the trank drugs, walking around like zombies, moaning. Uh, I think I may need to see this. I know it's a weird reaction, just seeing 28 seconds of that, and, 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 but I, it's purely a it's scientific inquiry. I, I'm curious.
Now that's been destroyed, but I'll tell you one thing that has not. I got. I hope I can get away with some of this over here. But my mother. I told. I told you my mother went with my father. To um, to go see Tom Jones, at, I think at the Beacon Theater in New York. I, I don't I forget what theater it is. I think it was the Beacon. In um, on Thursday, this guy, this guy, is um, eighty three years old. I think coming up this June, next month, I think he's 83 years old. Just incredible. My mother snuck a couple of uh, couple of things out, um, videos for me, especially when he sang Delilah. Uh, let me see if I can get a little bit here. Hold on. Where were the spots I wanted to, I wanted to show you? Hold on. Listen to this. said you can tell he really wanted to throw his hips around like he used to do you know whatever um but and, and he just couldn't he's you know he's he's not in that that good shape physically as far as being able to run around and stuff but man oh man i i'm, I'm listening to this and i had goose i had goosebumps i said shit 83 years old kicking ass he's always had one of the strongest voices in the world though no doubt about it Here's another little clip from the end of the song. Hold on a second. There he is. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, listen, I, you got to give it to him. I really do. I really do. Awesome. Really, really awesome. So, uh, there you have it. There you have it. Uh, now I'm, I'm going to get a couple of emails from, from somebody saying, you know, uh, Tom Jones, he was, he was caught sacrificing goats and I saw him sacrifice a goat in 1987. He's not a good guy, Frank. And then I'll be called a Tom Jones shill and my life will be over. So that's it. I should have just shut my damn mouth. All right, so here's what I have for you. Now, let's just, let's get on with the real show since it's almost 10 o'clock and I wanted to make this whole hour about this, this, this full hour about something else. Here is a story. It's called Only in Your State. It's from onlyinyourstate.com, and this was sent to me by Kelly out there in the audience. And we're going to get to your great adventure stories right after this. But here it is. This is one sad ghost town in Maine is the stuff nightmares are made of. So I want to, I want to drop this into the public consciousness of this show to see what we, we come up with because we're going to have a lot of really awesome guests that explore these towns and go to places in the country that used to be thriving or had really amazing local culture. And just over the passage of time, for one reason or another, economic, generational shifts, whatever the hell's going on, they're just not there anymore. 
To an outsider, Maine may simply be a beautiful state with idyllic uh, coastline and delectable lobster. See? Roaches. But once you get to know us a bit better, you'll find that we have our fair share of strange stuff. Between our many hauntings and downright wacky places to visit, Maine isn't always what it appears to be. The perfect example? The real story behind Flagstaff Lake and what lies beneath its surface. Of all the ghost towns in Maine, Flagstaff Lake might be the most intriguing. Imagine building a life with family, friends, and beautiful surroundings. Imagine sending your kids to school each day knowing they're being raised in a community with strong values, good friendships, and unwavering support. Now imagine that one day you learn all of that will soon end. Not only are you being forced to leave your home, but all traces of your existence will be erased. It's a nightmare, and it's one of the communities, it's one that the communities of Flagstaff Village and Dead River Plantation lived through in the early 1950s. The first permanent settlers of Flagstaff Village, which took its name from the flagpole erected by Benedict Arnold and his men, came in the 1800s. Drawn by the rich soil found in the Dead River food plain, and timber resources, those who called the area home were rewarded with the eventual creation of a, a grist mill and sawmill. This led to additional settlement of the surrounding areas of Dead River and Bigelow Plantations. Life was not without hardship, but it was a beloved community that is until 1949. In the mid-1900s, in an effort to consolidate Maine's electrical produ uh, production, Walter Wyman of the Central Maine Power Company began acquiring local power companies. Soon, CMP was building hydroelectric dams in Maine. To continue and expand, Wyman recognized the need to build a dam that would control the waters of the Kennebec River. This plan would only be approved by Maine legislature if he agreed to lease the land that was to be in the flood zone. Wyman wasn't interested in that expense, but he was interested in a plan that put Flagstaff Village and Dead River Plantation in the way of ultimate destruction. This plan meant the construction of a dam in the Dead River at Long Falls by 1930. CMP was buying land from Flagstaff Village and Dead River Plantation by 1948. The land was cleared by 1949. It was burning, a burning, smoking, billowing for miles. Burned it all out. 1950 Long Falls Dam was built and lives were forever changed. The top photo, be uh, the top photo below uh, is home of May Savage. Below it is what became of her home when diverted waters from Dead River overtook it. Oh, that's horrible. Imagine this being your home with that awesome closed-in side porch. Probably had such awesome breezes during the summertime. A nice way to observe a snowstorm during the winter. May Savage, and then below it, that's what was brought in. Just water, just com completely covers up the, the porch. Beyond the porch. Many of the town's important buildings, such as the schoolhouse, were demolished, while some of the lucky ones were moved. But the most unfortunate of cases were the folks that never came to a monetary agreement with CMP. These homes simply remained, waiting for the incoming floodwaters to overcome them. Here's, here's a uh, little snippet from the Boston Globe, July 4th, 1949. Headline. 
Main village about to die has farewell celebration. July 3rd, this tiny village doomed to disappear beneath the waters of a man-made lake relived its historic past today. The occasion, opening of the old home days, is a two-day community farewell that brought 300 residents back for one last look at the old hometown. Simply, sorrowfully, they talked of the past by common consent little uh, was said of the future. With the 25 families still clinging to their homes here. Wow. All around them, a treeless forest. Acres of stumps marked the area to be flooded by the Central Main Power Company dam, now under construction. Over the village hung a pall of smoke from the burning brush cut by the woodsmen clearing the flowage. And uh, for the most part, it was just a reunion of relatives, neighbors, and friends. They told the old stories how Benedict Arnold, marching through the wilderness of Quebec, planted flagstaff that gave the community its name. And how an old trapper found that staff and replaced it, and how there's always been a flagstaff on that site. Someone asked what could become of the staff there now. There was a moment of silence. The postmaster, uh, even uh, Evan Levitt, spoke up and said, why not leave it there? It will become, it will come above the water. Let it be the marker for the town. How long the last 25 families will be able to stay there is undetermined. The dam the power company is building is to add its water storage system may be completed by the fall, but the company may not flood the area until spring of 1950. We just read from an article from 1949. In July 1949, the town of Flagstaff had one last hurrah in a two-day event that brought out 300 people. Most residents relocated to the nearby areas of Eustis and Stratton, but their families have not forgotten about the town their loved ones once called home. The Dead River Area Historical Society does an incredible job creating events and curating collections to ensure that these lost communities are not forgotten. Uh, today, Flagstaff Lake offers a respite from busy days in Maine, but below are the fading foundations and reminders of a community that once flourished. There was a time when some even reported finding relics such as cutlery of days gone by near the shores. The next time you visit, take a moment to remember your past and those whose past lies beneath the surface of Flagstaff Lake. Wow. Wow. Uh, I know that we have people in Maine that watch. Jim Zell lives in Maine. I wonder if he knows about Flagstaff Village, if he's been there before. But, yeah, I thought that would be a really nice read for a... A Saturday night. So if that if that picks up anything for you, um, I mean, there's other creepy places in Maine they're talking about here, lighthouses and all that stuff. But I might keep this aside just as a little bit of a supporting a supporting piece of material for whenever we start talking about people, who, you know, talking to explorers who go to these older towns that have long since survived physically past their prime. And uh, and bring it up in the future, but if that if that digs up any kind of internal something for you, something you want to tell, then you can call in tonight. The number is nine one four two hundred o two six nine. The lines are open now, and now here is for another big time topic for you, and I, I want to hear about. Um, I want to know about a time when you leapt into the unknown. I want to know about the greatest adventure you ever had. Doesn't matter what it is. Um, what I said over here in the 
in the thread, I want to know about a time you leapt into the unknown, went exploring at any age, winging it through wilderness in a strange city without a plan, perhaps, backpacking through a foreign country in search of some special something, a relic, an experience. Whether you had a goal or not, you were free-flowing in this moment, you were alone, or you were with good company. I don't care what the circumstances were. Uh, It could be a big hike. We can talk about mountain climb, relic hunting, war stories. I know um, I know plenty of vets out there who see their time, though it, it, is, it is hard to think back on combat and, and, and um, in, in many instances. But I've had combat veterans that see their time in action as a, one of the greatest adventures in their lives. Uh, adventures don't always mean that it wasn't without peril or... Or anything like that. I mean, what about emigrating? What about emigrating, leaving your what your country of origin for a fresh start somewhere else, wherever the hell that is? Especially if there is a culture shock environment that you're going to be walking in on. That's that's the kind of thing I want to hear from people tonight. If you got any out there, and whereas I love emotional, symbolic, spiritual stories, metaphors for great adventures like parenthood, which is no doubt an adventure. Uh, I'm I'm not looking for that in this show in particular. I want to hear about your very own Indiana Jones stories, and don't not call in because it's not actually you're looking for a you know the cross of Coronado, just something that was an adventure for you. I don't care how mundane you think other people might think it. I'm I'm looking about your experience. Two oh seven, you're on the air. Who's this? This is Ivy. Ivy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, So I have an adventure. Okay, go right ahead. Okay, so I left home at 15 in Manhattan, and I went out on the greatest adventure of my life. I was homeless. Um, It was a a really huge learning experience, for sure. And uh, then I ended up in foster care, but I put myself there because I wanted to fix well, kind of get back in life again and educate myself fairly. So, um, yeah, I hitchhiked across the country. Um, I don't even know how to explain it. Well, let me ask you this. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you some questions because I have a few already. Um, if you don't mind my asking, why did you leave? I, I mean, there's always reasons to leave big cities and want something a little bit new. But why'd you leave at 15? It sounds obviously you're all on your own, so you ran away. Did you ran away from, from? Did you run away from family? Did you have family? Why'd you leave home? Um, I was adopted, and it was a very uncomfortable situation, and things were not working out. And my mother was a single mother in Manhattan, mm. and um, uh, I was a turnkey kid, I guess you can say, um, and. Uh, I also uh, not people didn't understand me very much because I didn't want to listen to anybody. So um, I was just a simple girl that wanted to live life without abuse and without programming and et cetera. So I left home at 15 because I couldn't take it anymore and I wanted to see the world and I did. So okay, so this is great. Let me now let's go to your next step. How far did you travel from New York? You were hitchhiking. What was your, did you know what your destination was or you were just going to, you wanted to head west, you wanted to head south and and what was your your destination? 
I had no destination whatsoever. I just wanted to go on the road, and I did, and I hitchhiked, and I heard your show the other night, and about hitchhiking, I wanted to call in so badly. I had the best experiences. I had one horrible one, but I fixed that real quick. And uh, I, I met so many beautiful people uh, all over the country. It was the most amazing two years of my life. Um, I, 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 people are so nice in this country. I, I can't even explain it. I went to Cal San Francisco first um, on vacation and I decided not to go back with my best friend and we were in college in Manhattan and I quit college and stayed in San Francisco and then realized I didn't fit in there at all after six months and then just hitchhiked um, to trains, short flights, uh, all like to every state. I, I met a beautiful gay ballet dancer, a male who uh, took me from Arizona to Texas we had the best time ever. And then he invited me to stay with his family. I said, I could get off here and keep going. He was like, no, 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 hang out with us. So I learned how to make burritos and all kinds of great stuff there. Learned how to country dance. I mean, I just, I went for then I went to Texas and Arkansas and Florida, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, but not in order. And I, it was just I, the people I met on the road I mean, I had one horrible experience, but the people I met on the road were so beautiful in this country. So when I, I stopped watching the news four years ago, I will never, ever watch the news again because they lie. And I met beautiful people. This country is full of the best people I've ever met. Um, where I, I'm loving, I'm loving this. So, about what years were this? So you're 15. What years? 80s. This? Okay, so so throughout the 1980s, you are hitting the road. You're you're meeting people. You're you're really not tying yourself down to one place or another. When where did you? First of all, how did you get money for things like flights for for trains for okay. all? Okay. Okay, so when I was in college, before I went to San Francisco, we worked, of course. So I worked as a waitress at the South South Street Seaport, and boy, oh boy, did I make a lot of money there. And so uh, that saved my money to go there. Then I got a job at Pizzeria Uno in the Embarcadero in San Francisco, because you have to go into this uh, into the. Um, the, the town to understand the people. So if you work wherever you are, you understand the people and you understand the life instead of being a tourist. So I didn't want to be a tourist, of course. So, when, so when, know, I took a job anywhere I could. When did you lay? When did you first lay down roots? I mean, when, when, where was the? the I mean, uh, when did all of this? Did anything ever tether you down to a place? Did you ever? Fall in love, yes. fall in love, meets like what? What's uh, tell me about you moving out of this phase and into more settled times in your life? Okay, it's a single mom, so um, I certainly that settled me down, but not enough. I didn't like the Matrix. Uh, I didn't never fit in, and uh, I knew I was not a winner in that world because it wasn't where my heart was and my soul was. So uh, after the after my daughter grew older and finished college, that's when I settled down. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. And where and, and and what was that? What was that settling down like? What you wanted to be near her or you just what? No. 
Okay. I took her out of the Matrix Cities uh, where I, had, I gave birth to her, raised her. And uh, I said, gosh, I'm not going to fit in here. My daughter certainly not because she's from my loins. That's not going to happen. So uh, And so we came up to the country way, way north. And uh, about, uh, I think she was in fifth grade. And I moved her from the city um, not New York City. I lived in another one, and I moved us both up here, up north to the country. And so I, uh, I didn't know how to shock her into living from the matrix to the country life. I didn't want to shock her uh, that much because it's hard to do that with um, kids. It really is when they're used to something. So. Um, I just decided to live as an example. When she graduated college, I went to the life I should be in, and that's where I am, like off-grid and solar, the whole nine yards, and beautiful nature, sitting in my outdoor living room right now with a fire. It's amazing. And, uh, and so hopefully she'll see what I'm doing now and not fall into the crap going on in the world. That is a wonderful adventure. It really is. I'm, I'm so glad you got through and and uh, and told us about it. There's there's probably more I can I can ask, but I think we got I think we got everything that we needed, and that that's really something else. I uh, so so your daughter must be about my age then. No, she's 23. Oh, okay. All right. She's a young grasshopper, but uh, thank you so much for your time, and I'm so I was very surprised that I got through, and I'm really nervous. Thank you so much for listening, and hopefully if I ever get in touch with you again, I won't be so nervous. Oh, my gosh. I mean, why would you be nervous? Everything that you've been through, uh, calling me up is fucking nothing. This is, this is, because this should I just be. Wasn't, I wasn't prepared. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm never prepared, but uh, I just wasn't prepared. But thank you so much. I, you. I just love your show, well, really. I, you, got, you got me through the winter. That's great. I'm glad I, you got you got me through the winter too. The fact that you guys are out there, uh, I think we're, we're all helping each other. And, and I hope you get through again. And I'm so sorry that I can't store you with the Skype. Don't worry about it. Nah. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Right. Thank you so much for just answering my call. Well, thank you, and I'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. Email me if you don't if you you can't get through again. Okay. Have uh, a wonderful evening. Later. There you go. I see with the Skype, I can just like store people, take their names, and all that. Wow, that was something else. That's one. Hell, that's one hell of an adventure. One hell of an adventure, and again, not without peril. Not without peril mixed in to some degree. But look at here. Look at here. All right, nine one four two zero zero two hundred. I should say, o two six nine. Call in. I want to know about your big adventure. I have one over here on the thread. This is one this one is from Jay Hawker says Frank water skiing at Milford Lake is my favorite adventure and it involves it involves a ghost town when the army corps of engineers dammed up the blue uh, big blue river to create turtle creek reservoir the nearby town of Milford Kansas was in the floodplain and residents had to be evacuated look that's just exactly what we were talking about with Maine Residents had to be evacuated out of the valley where a large lake had formed, Milford Lake. These people of Milford had moved what structures they could to a new settlement, but they left behind one small detail, their graveyard. 
When I was a kid, it wasn't uncommon for a corpse to shake free from the silt below and rise to the surface of the lake. It was always a roll of the dice whether we'd see a dead body floating on the lake when Dad would hitch up his boat to the family car and take us to the lake every summer. It still happens now and then and makes for an eye-rolling story on the 6 o'clock news. I would never go in that water. I already hate water I can't see the bottom of as it is. If I was in a lake knowing that there were dead bodies beneath me, you feel something brush up against your feet, and you're like, what the fuck is that? It, uh, that there is no, there's no reward for that risk. There's no reward for that risk. I'm sorry. Skiing? Water skiing, going somewhere else. There's nowhere else. I guess I'm skateboarding. That's all. That's weird. I guess I'm skateboarding. Okay, let's let's take let's take some more calls. Now I want, oh, we just had a couple, and they all just just blinked off the screen. Here we go. Here we go. Seven six zero. You're on the air. Who's this? Uh, this is Abraham. Abraham, welcome to the show, Abraham. Uh, I have so many different things I want to talk about. Well, give me the best. Um, give me the best the, one. Uh, go with an adventure. Yes. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, doctor slash physical therapist said I need to start riding a bicycle because I'm flat footed and I favor one foot. Uh, that was like the best thing for me because. Wait a second. Did I you was, say? Did you say that a doc a doctor wanted you to start riding a bicycle because you were flat footed? Yes. Hmm, that's an inter- so, that's interesting. That that's a whole story in itself. I've had three surgeries, two stainless steel screws, five fused bones, all on my right foot. Wow. That's because I was born with a club foot. Did your father did your father uh, uh, fight in Vietnam? No, he worked at uh, San Nofre Nuclear Generating Station in San Diego. Okay, well, there's the other link. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> so. After the last surgery, I was favoring my right foot, so I wasn't building any muscle on that side. So the doctor said, hey, the best thing for you is ride a mountain bike. Um, So I started doing that, and I just kept venturing farther and farther away from home. I lived kind of in a rural town, so there was a 35-acre orange grove right next to us, and then like a 90, 100 acres or more uh, north of us. So I just kept venturing further further and further out, and it was just, it just got me out in nature just to enjoy the beauty of it. And that like has instilled a desire for me to just go hiking, enjoy nature. And it's stuck with me ever since. Dude, that, I mean, that's, this is, that's, that's awesome. That's incredible. And, and in that, do you find that in times of trouble, that is always a, a therapeutic respite for you? Do you always go back to that? Especially when you need it, aside from just loving to do it, do you actually prescribe it for yourself when you feel like you, you just, you can't take certain things anymore? Yes, definitely. Like there's days where I'm just, I feel either emotionally drained, physically drained. Um, I bought a large piece of property. And so from the top of the property, I have like 360 views, but 270 of them are about the best. And it's about a 10-minute hike, depending on how fast I want to go to get to the top of the hill. But I, I'll just hike up there, sit down, enjoy the views. Uh, we got, I don't know if they're hawks. Um, there's, I don't know, yeah, I believe they're hawks. They're not falcons. Uh, that I'll see just flying around, just riding the current coming up the hillside. 
and it was just I'll just sit up there and just enjoy the view and just kind of detach from the rest of what's going on in the world and just go all right okay this is just enjoy the view just listen to the birds in the bushes just whatever it may be so that's definitely that's, something that see you know, I, i'll definitely do when i need it it's a we, we, were, we were made to adventure that way what a great well abraham what a great call um th- thank you for that hey uh, did, my, one last question did you uh has, with all the therapy the bike riding the the surgery do you have a proper arch in your foot now uh yes that's what the surgery in the five fuse bones so i do have an arch in my right foot now okay um so well, there good. was a point in time where i couldn't run more than a half a mile before the pain got too bad um when i was in high school i could i could run a mile just fine towards the end of it yeah i was doing a little bit of a zombie run but um well, I, I'm happy for you, and I'm glad that you got that. Uh, you've 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 had that balance, um, that balance routine instilled into you for one reason or another. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your mini adventures with us tonight. Oh, you're welcome. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, I will. You too. There you go. There's Abraham. Abraham. Nine one four. Two hundred. Oh, two six nine. That's not the way I'm going to always say it. I just I'm trying to really drill this into my head right now because I was just about to say 595 5956953. I miss it. I really do. That was my number. But Skype is uh gee. Skype is mm. What do you want to do? All right. 914200269. We're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, more of your calls. I'm going to give you guys some time. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of time to think of it and call in because these types of topics, they work because the audience is involved. That's the big thing. Don't be worried. Don't be nervous. Just call on in and let's make some good radio together. We'll be right back. Right now, we uh, can't uh, see much of anything, and frankly, this is what we can show you on television right now because of uh, military restrictions from both the uh, Saudis and uh, the U.S. Uh, CD, if you need to take cover, I notice uh, that you've got your gas mask in your hands. If you need to put it on, please do so. If you need to take cover, please do so. Jaco CNN reporting live from Saudi Arabia. Oh, I love this country so much. Standing down now, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get my hamburger and my coffee. Good. Uh, we just got the all clear. Now. All clear. You're listening, quite frankly. Are you crazy? You're fucking, fucking, you are fucking, fucking, you bloody, fucking, you bloody, bastard, bitch, you bastard, you bloody, bastard, you bastard, you bloody, bastard, you 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 bast
coming June is coming plenty to be said about the month of June it's a beautiful month it really is don't let anybody ruin it for you I stand at, at your gate, gate and the song that I sing is, is of moonlight I stand and I wait for the touch of your hand in the June night. The roses are sighing a moonlight. Da da da. Well, we've got some time for calls. 10.22 p.m. on the East Coast, and it's uh, Saturday night. I'm so happy that you guys have been spending a little bit of time with me. I know that as the weather gets uh, better, Saturday and Friday nights, some of you may say, later, Frank, I'll watch you on On Demand, and that's fine. But for those of you here right now, you're basking, you're basking in the real night atmosphere unless of course you're not in my time zone then it's broad daylight and this doesn't matter anyway right oh if you were all in um on the east coast then this would be a very cozy moment all right let's take a call from cody harris cody what's going on there cody hello hello what's going on what's up frank nothing much give me something take me off a speakerphone uh, you're not on speaker, but okay. I'm sorry, I got my headphones in. Does it sound that bad? Uh, it's a little, bo- it's a little woofy. It's a little boomy. It kind of sounds like I'm on speakerphone. But uh, either way, get as uh, nice, uh, you know, cozy with the receiver as you can, and uh, let's go for it. Ten four. Well, sorry about that. That's uh, okay. Did you see all uh, Henry Kissinger, that that reptile who just turned a hundred? One. 
Good for him. A hundred years old, Henry Kissinger. Good for good for him. He was even in the he was even in the Watchmen. He was even in the to think about all of the all of the people in the Watchmen, all the political characters in the Watchmen uh, figures that they had in there. I cannot believe that he's he's still around. Um, unless they I know, right? Did they have Pat Buchanan in there? I don't know, but it was Nixon and Kissinger, and he's the he's still hanging around. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. The only other thing, uh, only other thing I wanted to say was so uh, about that gate program. The what? The gate program. The gate program. Yes. What about it? That was the only other thing I wanted to talk about was they pulled me into there into some classroom for that and. Uh, it actually wasn't for the gate program. They were just actually trying to figure out if I was retarded or not. No, yeah, yeah. well, it, I, I hope you got. I hope you got a clean bill of. <laughs> I hope you got a ple- clean bill of health from somebody there, Cody. And th- thank you for yeah. the call. Thank you for the call, my All friend. Right, man. Yes. No, it's good to Later. hear from you. Be well. I knew we were building towards something. I was just waiting for it. I thought he was going to say it wasn't for the gate program. It was for the gay program. That's what he should have said. Anyway, let's see if we can regain some momentum here. <laughs> 620, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Frank, it's Shannon. Uh, I got a new number, man. This is Shannon from Kansas. Hey, Shannon, well, welcome to the show. So what's on your mind tonight? What do you got for me, a great adventure? I, um, Hey, um, I, w- I was just going to tell you, uh, I, the way I remember your new number is uh, 91 for 2000 to 69. You know, like if you wrote it out in a sentence. That, that's how I've been remembering it. From 2000. But from I've 2000. also got to. I'm, wait, wait, I'm wait. sorry, go ahead. But wait, 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 wait. So, so then what did you do with the four, though? It's 914. It's not 91. Oh, wait, wait. 91 for 2000 to 69. 91 for 2000 to 69. Oh, 91 for, don't, I, I, hey, listen, you know what, if it works for you, that's all that matters, but, but go ahead, Shannon. Yeah, that's, that's just how I, hey, uh, but, um, man, I was in, I, I heard one of the callers the other night, uh, talk about the gifted program. Yes. I was in that when I was in, um, I, I, uh, I, uh, I graduated in 88, so I, I was in, uh, first grade in 76, 77, and, um, 72, I was in this, uh, gifted program. And um, they would take me and um, maybe one other person. And there was there were four of us in my class, which was in a small, small school of like uh, 34 in 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 my grade uh, of two classes. And uh, they would take us to this small room, and um, it was all geared toward like NASA, like being an astronaut. Ah. Ah. But, so th- but there was it was nothing. It it never went very far at all. You know, it, it just. Maybe a, I was just not. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I didn't spark him, you know, like they wanted or something. I don't know. I bet you any money there, and and thank you for the call, Shannon, because I, I'm thinking about this stuff here too. I wonder if there was some sort of. I, I mean, who knows what they were recruiting for, or or what they were trying yeah. to to figure out what kind of what kind of human resources we, they had at their disposal. But uh, the the NASA space element has popped up in some testimonials too, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were trying to um, trying to find out who would be good candidates for any of their either cosmonaut uh, programs or their chrononaut 
programs. Remember, you know, on Saturday nights, those are prime times that we would talk to people like Andrew Bashago, and I, I wouldn't, I, I, should, I should talk to him about the gate program one night. Thank you for the call, Shannon. Um, that'd be interesting. I mean, he wasn't traversing space per se. He was talking about jump rooms to Mars as an interdimensional thing, and I think Mars, in his, when he was talking about it, his ex, um, experience, he said it was more so of a, almost like a code name. So I don't even know if it was the actual Mars that we've been led to believe is the red planet. But anyway, good one. Another good one. All right, so we took a, a little bit of a deviation into gate program ther- uh, uh, territory. Let's see if we can get back into some adventure stories. Okay. Uh, Robert, are you there? Yes, I am. Robert, you got us a good adventure story tonight? Yes, I do. Oh, I can't wait. I, the, the floor is yours. Well, I don't know about good adventure, but it was my adventure. Good. Um, I'm down here on the Rio Grande on the Mexican border. And how I got here was from Kansas City about, oh, the year 2000. I quit my job. Well, I I pretty much got fired. But I sold everything, threw everything in my canoe, told the whole world to F off, and I'm gone. And I put it in on the Missouri River. Uh, right there in downtown Kansas City, and I paddled my canoe on down to the Mississippi, and then I paddled the Mississippi on down to the mouth of the Merrimack, and then I paddled up the Merrimack, and then I carried my stuff about 33 miles to the Current River, and then I went down the Current, down the Black, down the White, back into the Mississippi in Lower Arkansas. And then right above Baton Rouge, I cut through the swamps near this, uh, it's called the Shafalaya Cut. And I took that Shafalaya Cut on into the Shafalaya Lake, and then I paddled into the Intercoastal Waterway System uh, there in southern Louisiana and paddled the Intercoastal on into Texas. And right there at Corpus Christi, I paddled up the Nueces River. And by by now it's it's winter time. You know, I left in the summer, and by now it's winter. So it, you know it's cold as hell. And I make it up to a, a town called Catula. I don't know Creza Springs area, and and I'm like, well, hell, you know, you know, my my vision. I, I'm trying to make it to the uh, Pacific Ocean, just like Lewis and Clark. I said, man. My dumbass, I you know I'm I'm trying to go west, you know, and I'm just looking for a spot to start over. Listen, you, know, just... you, you you might you almost did it. I mean, you you were, I I, I this is this is incredible. Now th- this entire journey, first of all, do you still have the canoe? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I I eventually made it to the Pacific, and. Uh, and you, it took me two years. And you were, you were I able to... Get, made it. You know, I paddled. I carried my stuff to the to the Rio Grande or Eagle Pass. I paddled up the Rio Grande to Presidio. And then I started walking. I had this portage cart that I put my canoe on. And I started walking through the desert through, through Marfa, you know, uh, all the way through El Paso, all the way up into New Mexico, 
to uh, Silver City, New Mexico, and then I put my canoe back out on the Gila River, and then I paddled the Gila into Arizona, and then the, the river dried up on me, so I had to put my stuff back on my portage cart and continue on west on Highway 10 on into California, and I dropped right in at uh, in San Diego at uh, La Jolla Beach, and that's where I hit the Pacific Ocean right there in La Jolla Beach. Then I started paddling up the Pacific to uh, to the Bay or Delta area, you know, and I paddled up the Sacramento River, up into Shasta Lake. I smoked everybody's weed. I hung out there for a while. <clears throat> then, you know, spring was starting to break again, so I I went ahead and, and walked across Oregon with my canoe on my portage cart to the Columbia River. Then I paddled up the Columbia, up the Snake, up the Clearwater to Lewiston-Clarkston area, right where Lewis and Clark had crossed at Lolo Pass. And then I crossed over into Montana and put in just below the Great Falls of Montana back on the Missouri River, and then I paddled all the way back down to where I started in Kansas City. And then I, I started getting job offers. You know, it changed my whole life forever. You know, I was a construction worker before. I was a nobody. I had, you know, I was just a dude. I felt like Forrest Gump, man. I, I just headed out. Robert, you know? that's exactly what I'm seeing in my head. It's the canoe version of Forrest Gump. And, exactly. uh, but, but, yeah. and, and it's incredible to me because, you know, I know, I know a lot of truck drivers. I know people who are very well-traveled. It's part of their job or it's a passion. And they can talk to you about highways, all uh, highways and routes. They can, they can get from one part of the country to the other without even needing, they don't need a map. They don't need anything. They, they just know these routes. The fact that you're talking to me about rivers, like I would talk to a local around here about, I, uh, you know, the I-95 or 287 or 684 or something like that, it, 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 it's just incredible how you know all... Let me ask you this. Is it... I mean, it, it's, it, it almost seems like you can get anywhere by river in a canoe. I mean, can you literally yeah. get anywhere by canoe? That's how it was, brother. That's how everybody did it. You know, and that's what really got me going. It's like, you know, 100 years ago, this is how people did it. How long did this, this trip take you? Two years. Two years to get from Kansas City all the way back to Kansas City. You went all the way yep. down. You went down there. Yep. You through through Texas, Mexico, the the Pacific. You 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 did it, you did the Lewis and Clark route, and then you went all the way up through the Pacific Northwest and back down again. Dropped back onto. It. How did you um, How did you survive that time? Was it by the good graces of just people around you? Did you have some money saved up? Did you do odd? Man, I was a broke joke. You know, I had, I, I, I literally had less than 500 bucks to my name. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll just figure it out as I go. And then Jeez. everywhere I went, I would have people wanting to feed me, wanting to help me. You know, they'd give me advice. Oh, you should go this way and not that way. And when I hit the Rio Grande, I bumped into a, a team working for, um, they were writing a book for National Geographic. And the guy that was guiding that team said, man, I don't care whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. If you ever run out of money, just give me a call. And he helped me, you know, every once in a while, he'd send me a hundred bucks or something and say, keep going, you know, don't stop, keep going. And then, you know, I would buy everything. Every time I come to a bridge, 
I would tie up and I'd walk into a town or you know a convenience store or a gas station and I'd buy all the ramen noodles and peanut butter and tortillas and jelly and, and a big old thing of icing, cake icing, you know, and a big jug of Mountain Dew or, you know, just whatever and load down and just keep going. You know, and you know, every you know, every fifty miles or so you'd come across something where you can resupply and you know, I was I yeah, no, I was a broke joke. I didn't so, have no money. Well hey, listen, bro it's it to talk about money and I mean I asked about it just because I'm wondering how you're you're eating along the way you're doing that stuff. But as far as, you know, uh man, this is the kind of experience it's very hard to, to even think about buying. But so would you agree you would agree with our first caller in in her assessment that uh, you know why she doesn't watch the news anymore about how Americans, just people along the way, real people along the way, whether it's in America or maybe in some parts of Mexico you were at, that that people are just really amazing and willing to help. Exactly. You know, you got to disconnect, and it gave me an opportunity to disconnect from the whole society, from everything. I wasn't watching the news. I didn't care. What, what year was this? I was the happiest I've ever been in my life. What year was this? Two, when did the two-year journey begin? What was the year again? 2000. It was May 26, 2000. Oh. Man, so you were, on, you were the, on the road when 9-11 happened. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was in, I was on uh, this little creek in California that paralleled the Pacific Ocean. And these bridge workers yelled down at me because I was camped under the bridge with my canoe. And they're like, hey, man, you got a radio? And I'm like, yeah, I got a radio. And they're like, turn it on. So I turn on the radio, and I could hear the towers crashing with this radio station. I'm like, freak, well, what the fuck? You know? And, you know, I had a 22 rifle. I had a shotgun. And it sounded like we was going to war. We're we're getting attacked, you know. I was like, oh, you know, it was a weird feeling. Oh. Yeah, I was counting my bullets. I I hunkered down. I found a little hidden spot and hunkered down for a couple of days and listened to the radio, just trying to figure out what was going on. I wonder. I really wonder. You, you're talking about a a time in your life that I have to imagine is a is you know it's a big transition. You know, for anybody to do something like that, that big, even though you're not, you're, it's not the, the Forrest Gump kind of sensationalism out there. In Forrest Gump, he's running, running all around and he's attracting followers and there's cameras and all that. You are one guy out on a personal adventure. And as you're going through this transition in your own life, the entire world is transitioning with 9-11. It's a, it's a very violent birth into a new world. You were out on the road for the last of the old world to be experienced like that. And I thought that. that from the very beginning, something in the back of my head was telling me, dude, take it in. Because this is this is all going to change. Oh yeah, you know, a man this uh, won't be here forever. A, a strange man in a canoe under a bridge uh, every day after nine eleven would would probably uh, draw a different kind of attention. Yeah, so. I, uh, it changed my life. That's well, for sure, it was the biggest adventure that, uh, and I'm a different guy because of it. And, you know, now I'm down here. You know, I worked as a river guide for a little bit, and I met some of the greatest people. It was more about the people I met, man. It's just unbelievable how nice, because in the beginning, you're, like, hating people, and you're like, oh, the world sucks, da-da-da-da-da. But I, I regained my faith in humanity, 
it big time because everywhere I went, even the cops, everybody was just helping me. And like, you know, even the cops would be like, you know, you're really not supposed to be doing this, but I'm mm. going this way. And as long as you go the other direction, I didn't see nothing. Well, you know, or, you know <laughs> it was it was crazy how well people treated me. I couldn't believe it. You know, I'd be thirsty. I'd be in the middle of the desert dragging my canoe down I-10. And, you know, that's an interstate. I'm not even supposed to be on that damn thing. And um, hot, 120 degrees. It was July. I'll never forget it. July 4th, you know. just And just out of nowhere, some complete stranger in this big old hoopty pickup truck stops that's loaded with a bunch of watermelons and says, here. I mean, he didn't even say here. He just walked up to me, handed me a watermelon, and drove off. And I'm like, what the hell is that all about? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's some that is that, that's these are these are really magical uh, encounters there. Uh, one last question for you, Robert, because I want to see if I can get a few more on before we end at eleven. Um, wh- what was your settle down point? I hear I hear people in the background. Is that your children? Uh, wh- where where, yeah. did, where did you settle yeah. down? And, and, and when when did you you know when did when did you settle down for good? Well, when when I when I got back to Kansas City, I, I made this call down here at the Rio Grande because there was river guides and they offered me a job. They're like, anytime you want, come back here and get a job. So I give them a call and I said, you remember me? And they're like, hell yeah, come on, get your ass down here and uh, go to work. And that's Trilingua, Texas. I'm down here in Big Bend. It's right, it's at the base of a national park. And so I got to kind of do my dream still working in a national park and whatnot. And, um, being a river guide. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Before we end tonight, is there any way that you can email the show, quite frankly, podcast at gmail.com? Can you email the show a picture of the canoe? Or, or so, I want to see the canoe that, that has all these miles on it. Can you do that before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I got video. I got. Well, so, I, yeah, I, I did all I could to document the thing. Well, send send me just at least one picture that I can show off to the audience because I'm sure everybody wants to see this canoe. All right, then Robert and 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 no please problem. keep in touch. Keep yep. in touch too, either through future calls or through that email. And thank you for this call. Well, I watch you all the time, and I appreciate you. And I thought, well, hell, I'll give him a call. So thanks for thanks for answering my call, and I'll send you an email. I I was the lucky one answering tonight, Robert. Thank you so much. All right, I'm going to be on the lookout for that one. I want to see this canoe. There's a lot of miles on that canoe. And when it wasn't in the water, it's being dragged on highways and he's <laughs> in deserts and t- just to find another waterway that can take him to his next de- uh, destination. Wow. That was, uh, that's great. That is great. Let's, let's do uh, five, six, two. You're on the air. Pete. Frank, how's it going? It's going, it's going, it's going. So, what's well, your big adventure? Uh, I got a little story for you. It's maybe a little bit different than some of the other callers, but I'm going to tell you about a dream I had probably, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a dream that I was going to travel to a, to a uh, tropical country. I was married at the time, you know, just was a, was a one-time thing, kind of out of the blue. And six years ago, I met some 
a, a beautiful lady from the Philippines. And uh, been with her for about five years now. And it's just, you know, I was a business owner, you know, on West Coast. Just, you know, something that's like totally out of the norm for me. But the fact that I dreamt about something and, you know, 25 years later it came to fruition was, I don't know, kind of, so, you so, know, maybe a... So the adventure, the, 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 the places and the destinations you saw in your dream, you, you, were, you actually saw, you witnessed them out there on the road with your, your woman? I didn't actually see the destination. I saw, it was... You know, it didn't. It didn't really have a like a specific location. It was just like a. I had a dream that I would end up in a tropical location. And, and so you live in the Philippines right now, or or that's where you were at the time. Um, I I go back and forth right now from the Philippines. I've got some older folks that I'm taking care of. Mm-hmm. So I am here in on the West Coast right now. Um, but I've you know I pretty much set up shop there. I have I have a house there. Um, you know, it's, well, that's, uh, I just gave up, I gave up everything here. I gave up everything here and, you know, in 2018, late fifties and off I went. Well, if you ask me, Pete, uh, you can say you gave it all up over here and you just went off do it it sounds like you gained everything not gave up everything and i'm glad that the the dream came true and thank you so much for the call that's a wonderful one and i see that we're we're tick ticking away over here with the time so i want to make sure that we get a couple more calls in pete pete had a dream catch up to him in real life what about that 480 wood group who's this wood group 480 you there it's a company phone. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, well hello, Mr. Yeah. Wood. Howdy. Howdy. So, what do you is got this, for us? Is this Frank? Yes, it is. You're on right now. Well, hot damn. Um, that Robert guy, you can't beat that story. Jeez, we had a couple of good ones tonight, but listen, you know, I, I, I love every, I, I'm open for it all. I'm I, nothing. It's not a contest for me, but that was a good one. What do you have for that us? That was a, well, um. I graduated high school in 1974, and me and my buddy got in his Mustang, and we drove to Minnesota, um, stopping along the way in Lincoln, Nebraska, because we had to uh, redo the the valve train because it didn't work. And uh, then we drove up to uh, Minnesota and stayed there, went up into Canada, and drove around in this Mustang with it on empty. And we just kept going. It was like, and we'd fill up, and it just didn't take any gas. And so we ended up driving back down into, I don't know where the hell, probably upstate New York or something. And uh, we pulled in, and gas was a little cheaper. And uh, we uh, was like, yeah, gas is cheaper. And I go, you been in Canada? We're like, yeah. And he goes, did you ever hear of the Imperial Gallon? Because we ran that Mustang all over the place in the middle of nowhere on empty, thinking that it would sooner or later run out. Okay, which it never did. But it turns out the Imperial Gallon is five quarts. 
What's the what, wait, wait, what, what's the imperial ga- I don't I don't I don't understand this. The imperial gallon in Can- Canada, Canada is what I always call it. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Anyway, um, it's a. Oh, a oh, so you, oh, so oh, you're saying quarts. right, right? So their their okay. quart, their gallon is is yeah. is a extra quart. Five quarts, yes. Okay, quart. So uh, yeah, and we're like, holy shit, we could have ran out of gas. Really? <laughs> do, do they? But, uh, is the imperial gallon just used for? Is that used for everything liquid, or is that just a, a gas measurement? thing for the Canadians because that's weird you know I don't know because like I said I I live in Phoenix I've for pretty much my whole life I've moved around here and there but um, all we know is we were really on empty and running on fumes luckily that hypo 289 Mustang got like 30 miles to the gallon almost <laughs> Yeah, which is unheard of. But, but anyway, yeah. you can't do that now. No, 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 you can't. But that, that sounds like a, a nice, uh, a really free and easy. It was, a, it was a, it was a cool adventure. I mean, next year will be a fifty-year anniversary of uh, graduating. So. That, see, that's what I'm talking about. I think that there's there's something to that. And when I hear about these kind of um, these 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 experiences that are had when you are young especially when you're with your friends you're in or around the high school area just getting out there is so little tying you down there's such a a, a greater feeling of levity especially when you go back in time uh to the throughout the decades like like you're you're bringing us right now i think that it'd be much harder it, it's infinitely harder for somebody 17 18 19 years old to go on an adventure like you had now it, it, it's the it, prices are so higher now price I mean, everything security Gas when i started driving was 25 cents a gallon for a premium 100 plus octane well, you know, you know, and, and thank and is, again. Thank you so much for the call here. This is a this is a wonderful one. I, I I appreciate you, and please keep in touch with the show. I have one more thing to say to you. Real quick, go ahead. Thank you for wishing me happy birthday on February twenty fourth. Oh well, listen, who who sent it in? Was it was it a wife or something? I mean, Abby, my wife. I don't remember it right now, but I no, gotta I tell you, it. we listened to it this afternoon. So that was back in February. I don't remember yep. the the uh, the birthday wish, but I can tell you this, my friend. I have such a good time doing all those birthday wishes. I it, it really is a genuine delight for me to do them, and I'm glad that you got one, and I'm glad that we got to talk tonight. Well, thank you very much, Frank. All right, man. And, and listen, again, as I always tell people, if you ever want to share your thoughts on any subject and you can't get through, email me, all right? Will do. All right, take care. So, yeah, gas prices, um, all types of just surveillance, security. The culture is different. Uh, There's a lot more weirdos out there. There's a lot more people just on, I don't know. I I don't want to castigate. Remember, we're, we're trying. One of the main themes tonight that has popped up organically is that the news is giving us the bad side of humanity that needs to be that needs to be kept at bay. There's always going to be problems, and we have more problems now than we ever have, no doubt about it. But um, it's a it's a planet with eight billion people on it, and most of them 
Most of them will help you out in a, in a pinch, I would have to say. A majority would. All right, a couple of things over here. Let's go to some... Uh, let's see here. I don't know where the hell I'm at. Oh, here it is right here. I'm going to go to our thread because it's not that long. And then we're going to go into our super chats and then we're going to wrap up. This turned out to be a, a fantastic show. One of the best Saturday night ones that I think we've done. And I'm all here on by myself, but the, the calls have been amazing. They've been on point. I love it. Linda Love uh, put this in here on the thread. It says, hi, Frank. I can't remember if I've already told you this story or not, but my biggest adventure was hitchhiking to California from Massachusetts when I was 17. I went with a guy friend. We went uh, to a truck stop with a blunt box filled with change and a huge duffel bag of clothes. Uh, one trucker brought us all the way to Nevada. We almost died going down a snow-covered hill where a truck started to jackknife and magically straightened itself out. There were two other trucks on the side of the road that weren't so lucky. We sold fake acid to kids in parks along the way a couple of times in order to eat. At least it was fake acid. You know? At least you weren't, at least you weren't actually selling acid to kids. <laughs> just, Yeah, it was a scam, but you had to eat. And when we crossed the California state line, we both dropped a hit of real acid to celebrate. Oh, so you did? You were holding out from the good shit. My God. My God. I called my mom on my 18th birthday, and she bought me a bus ticket home. I worried that poor woman's sick. Looking back, I'm lucky to still be alive. My friend died a few years later. As he went, he went the hard drug path. On a lighter note, my oldest son graduated from UMass yesterday with his civil engineering degree, and as a proud mama, I just wanted to brag. Love the show, forever a frankly, Linda. That's great. Yep, there's a there is a an adventure for you. An adventure. Worried sick. Oh my gosh. Oh man, yeah, I'd be worried sick. Road trip. This is the last one we have on the thread. In the early 1980s, in Gray Station, Tennessee, where uh, where Frog Le- where Frog Level Road, Old Gray Station Road, and the train trestle met, all of us were about 13 or 14. It was ahead of the Goonies release. My group had our bikes, and we'd been spelunking in a local cave. We stopped by the warehouse that still stands there to this day. It always looked deserted, so we did what teenage boys do. We explored, and soon as we approached the backside door, the brunette lady in her 30s or early 40s opened the door and had a gun in her hand and in our faces. I was about to piss myself as I was usually the first one into the stupid situation. We all just looked at each other and took off. What else could we do? Year or three later, we watched we watched the Goonies at the theater. All of us again looked at each other during the hostage scene with the Fratellis at the restaurant. We just knew. True story. I could still name every guy that was there first and last names. That's like a little Stand By Me story. Yeah. Yeah. All right, over into the Super Chats. Palador Veros, thank you. Thank you for the tip. No message, but I know what you meant. Uh, CPT Fiction says, Hey, Frank, I grew up here in Poconos down the road from the lake that has a village beneath it. 
Bets, uh, Beltsville Lake. Adventure-wise, at 26, I abruptly move away to Tennessee to take a job with, Bar, uh, with Barrett Firearms. Back in Pennsylvania now, but it was a great experience. Those villages underneath those lakes. Dammed up rivers. Thank you for that fiction. Mark Swan says, if, you ever, if you've never seen a woman, then what do you jerk off to? Yes, because, yeah, I mean, you, you have to be jerking off to something. <laughs> I, love, I love how that's like the... There's, there's no negotiating with that for Mark. Just like, wait a second. What do you jerk off to? What do you jerk off to five times a day? Uper Viking says, Hi, Frank. My greatest adventure is the one I'm on right now with all of you. As painful as it is to watch the long burn of everything I love, it's been amazing getting to know the likes of the Franklies. So God bless those who gave us all, uh, to gave, uh, bless those who gave all so that we may breathe free. I think that this breathed a, a nice, satiating gust of inspiration into all of us tonight. Or at least I hope so. There's some really, really great, wholesome things that came out in this uh, in this show tonight. Valsky on the Rumble Rant says, I love coffee, but hold the human breast milk and hard pass on the colostrum too. No cow colostrum? Uh, Poso for Hope says nothing like immigrants learning our language and culture. They truly enjoy the American dream. And then I think that is it over there. Over on quitefrankly.tv, the gold pills put in hollow. Thank you. Secret Weapons says thanks, Frank. Thank you, Secret. Sean Joe, Tempo 420, Robert Sarns, and Winston Dave says what a pleasant and enjoyable way to spend a Saturday evening. Great bunch of stories. I agree. I am very satisfied. I have everything I wanted to do done. I have a little bit left over that I think uh, is perfect for another night on this uh, on this this uh, this show. I'm looking at them over here, and I'm glad that we didn't get to these other points because they I can make shows out of them as it is. But greatest adventure you've ever been on. We may have to revisit this one down the line. As we have to revisit a lot of other threads that we started in the past, we have to revamp them because all of those threads are gone since they were hosted on Reddit. And now we have our own very independently hosted forum on quitefrankly.tv, which I hope you all start using more and more because it is the lifeblood of our joint production uh, efforts together. So I'm releasing the scratching out of them on Rumble. I mean, on, uh, on quitefrankly.tv. Thank you, everybody over here that's been watching on Rumble. Uh, we're going to have a, a great week ahead of us. I hope that you enjoy your Memorial Day. We'll be back on Tuesday the 29th. No, Tuesday the 30th with Rich Barris. He'll be on with us then. And, um, and that's all I got for you. So thank you to everybody who has been watching on twitter on d live on twitch on youtube on theta on foxhole on rumble on rockfin you have you've made this a very magical evening and more coming don't forget sunday night programming will be live as usual around 9 p.m i will curate all of that that wonderful uh that wonderful 
stuff over on quitefrankly.tv. And I don't know what we'll do on Monday night, but something will be there to hold us over until Tuesday when we are back live again. So good night. Have a good one. And email me if you miss. Oh, wait, 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 wait. One more thing. Let me see if these, he sent that canoe picture. Nothing. No canoe picture. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Let me check the Proton Mail. I don't want to give up on this. Give me a second. Clicking through. Uh, nothing. I'll get the I'll get the picture of the canoe by by Tuesday. Don't you worry about that. For now, have a good good rest of your evening and a wonderful rest of your weekend. Bye-bye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now, our super chatters. Starting with Palador Veros, CPT Fiction, Mark Swan, Uber Viking, to all of our friends over there on the Rumble Rants, to our gold pillars, and uh, to everybody that I have yet to to hear from. I'll see you all soon. Become a sponsor of the show on the Sponsor Us tab on QuiteFrankly.tv and remember, we are starting our Spring Book Club session with Charlie Robinson on Thursday. So be a part of that. Become a sponsor. Talk to you soon. 